0: Welcome into the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Episode 153 and you know it it's the first week of the month so it is the pattern of the month episode. I'm your host today Ronnie Moore. My co-host is always Kyle Jesse and we're joined by two folks. We invited one on the show but we are totally <laughs> cool with the second guest as well. Brian New is our guest and Brian, you got a new you got a new spawn from the spring that's here for the fall, you know, the fall feed up.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely uh yeah, it's uh things you know. I was a little late for this. <laughs> I said five minutes, about forty-five minutes ago. But yeah, uh, Ryder, uh, he was hungry, and then we got stopped by the neighbors and had to get some tackle. The uh, UPS man delivered the tackle to the wrong house today, so yeah, had to well, go see the neighbor.
0: Well, we got to know then. First off. If we're talking about fishing in November, was the tackle package for an elite event next year, or was it for something you're going to use this month? And if so, let's hear it.
1: It was actually a prototype that I'm working on with Spro, (laughs) so we're not going to talk much about it, (laughs) but no, man, I do like, we all love fishing in general, but I love fall fishing. You know, it's, it's that grinder time of the year, you know, I'm not going to say you'll never go catch a lot of fish in the fall, but it is you know, grind out, you know, five, six, seven bites in a day. And typically if you get six or seven, eight bites in a day in a tournament, you know, you're compete. you know, you're, you're going to be in that right position
2: um, to compete. Brian, this is obviously a time of the year that uh, a lot of your elite series compadres go start to go hunting. Uh, this is not a, a time of the year that a lot of guys even put their boats in the water do you hunt at all? And then two, tell the tell the folks what are, that are hunting rather than fishing what they're missing out on.
1: Yeah. So honestly, like when I was in high school, which doesn't seem that long ago, but it actually was, uh, I was big in the hunt. Like, I, you know, I was actually just talking to my neighbor about it. Um, you know, I probably hunted as much as I fished, you know, granted this during season, and uh, I loved it, but then I got out of school and I got into the real world and, uh, you know, there's just not as much time. And and now when you have kids and a wife and a job and another job and then another job, there's just not time for everything. So, uh, yeah, I don't really hunt a whole lot. I love eating deer. I actually enjoy hunting, but not as much as I do fishing. I just put me a corn pile out here in the backyard um, may, you know, um, may have a 6'5 Creedmoor sitting here in my shop. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I like to eat deer, and, but I don't like to really go hunting. Don't have time to go hunting.
0: Well, I haven't seen too many, uh, BASS deer hunting tournaments, you know, with a hundred thousand dollar prize up for grabs. And I know that that's something that Brian new wants to compete for is the big, the big money on the elite series. But Brian, when I think about the fall, which... Oftentimes in the south, the fall is still very warm. You know, it'll still be hot some days and maybe cool in the morning. But early winter is really when it's cool all day long or cold all day long. We're now in that kind of transition time where it seems like it's been really warm for the most part, had some cool mornings. And now this past week, at least in Arkansas and I think even in Alabama, it has been cold in the morning and cold throughout the day as well. Is there a point in this exterior weather change that you're like, hey, Uh, it's time. This is the true transition time of the fall to winter.
1: Yeah, it is. So it's kind of the same here in South Carolina the last week or so. We've had some pretty cool nights. I mean, this morning, I think it was 33 in my truck. That's what my truck said when I got in it. And, uh, you know, that's at 730 in the morning. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's obviously warmed up a little bit since the night at that point. Uh, So we're it was freezing last night. We had frost on the ground and um, it's probably the second or third frost we've had in the last two weeks. And it is that time of year where things really start to, to, to change. You know, a lot of the lakes, uh, drawdown lakes, the drawdowns already started some, some places it's already all the way drawn down. Murray's actually really low right now. It's, it's not a lake. It's not a lake that they draw down every year majorly, but it does. They do draw it down a little bit every year. And uh, you know, last last year I believe it was about ten feet low in the winter. It's not quite that right now, but it is it is getting down. And that does several things. I mean, not really the drawdown, but just the time of the year, the cooler nights. It once the lake turns over, um, which probably pretty much everywhere has now, at least in my area, um the bait starts migrating to the backs of the creeks. And that, you know, that's not to say every shad or every bait fish in the lake's not going to go there, but a the majority, yes. And obviously the bass are going to follow, you know, the bass that are um, you know, that live in the creeks, the residential fish, they're gonna, you know, follow as well. Um, so not only do you have the fish that are following the bait to the creeks but you have the fish that are in the creeks that live in the creeks following the bait. So it's, it's, you know, you can really get, uh, get right in a hurry uh, and and find a big school of fish feeding. Now that being said, a lot of times those are really hard fish to catch. Um, Just because they're feeding on real tiny bait. And I think now, um, you know, with the techniques and the, just, The stuff baits we have nowadays can make it a little bit easier than five or six years ago. Um, There's just a lot more really good options for that. You know, we've got the forward-facing sonar, if you want to use that as well. It can doesn't necessarily help you catch the fish, but it does help you see exactly where they're at, Um, more so than anything, just be more efficient. But there's kind of like really... I'm a junk fisherman like that's what I really like to do and and I guess people have different terms you know ways to describe what they call junk fishing or definitions. I like to burn down this bank with a buzz bait and then go out there and fish a brush pile and pull it over here and fish three docks and then go out there and catch school and fish like that's what I like to do and and that's what's so awesome about the fall is you are typically fishing for a handful of bites throughout the day. I mean, typically, ten or less bites in a day is 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 a fairly good day um, when you're doing when you're fishing tournament style. You know, um, targeting bigger fish, and I mean that's what I love about it so much, especially with the drawdown they'll get on any little piece of cover that's in the water, whether it's a dock. You know, if there's this stretch of docks had 10 docks on it at normal pool, um, you know, now that it's lower, there's only two docks that have any water or substantial amount of water on it. So it'll, it, it just, it it shrinks the playing field, you know, and it makes it a little bit more obvious where they'll be. Um, so, and I think the thing, the biggest thing that, I've been most successful, you know, in the Carolinas for really my whole life in the fall is burning the bank with top water. And, you know, that's something I love to do. And it works pretty much most of the country. I mean, um, you know, the Ozarks, it's a huge deal. Tennessee, everywhere that I've ever been, uh, I don't think maybe up North, it's as big of a deal. But burning down the bank with a buzz bait with a horny toad on the back or just a negative, a naked horny toad or, you know, a plopper style bait, those are something, baits that I'm always going to have. A walking bait, um, just covering water with top water is awesome. Then I think, like, what I would call the next thing that I really like to do is uh, isolated targets, you know, whether that's a brush pile or a rock pile. Or you know stuff that you can't visually see with the eye i really like that and you know that kind of goes all over the place depth wise what you're going to do whether it be like a, a small swim bait like you know a kitex style swim bait jerk bait i really like cranking it and uh especially in the fall cranking's really good but other than those two things you got the dirty water you know get up in uh and not everywhere i mean you've got like Hartwell's a really clean clear water lake but you can still find stained water not necessarily dirty but stained yeah what you think about that
0: and uh <laughs> well mostly also because it's because it's drawn down all those banks are <laughs> banks are exposed so any kind of rain is gonna it's yeah. gonna change watercolor really quick.
1: absolutely yeah so you know you you look for, you know, either up a river or creeks that are actually fed. You know, there's, I guess a creek is going to be fed by something. But, you know, you'll have a lot of long arms that are not fed by any, that does not have, Codes, you know, yeah. a good run-in. Yeah. So, some, you know, a lot of creeks that have a good run-in are going to have that more stained water, especially after a, a, a rain and square billing spinner baiting and chatter baiting is like what I really, really like to do. And and, you know, flipping the jig also. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of it, but then you come to the Heron lakes and it's a whole different little deal. Um, now with the turnover, that stuff's got, man, I would say a month ago, which you could still say it was a fall, but it's not that fall to winter transition. Um, it was, phenomenal all the heron lakes were phenomenal murray was absolutely incredible um i mean 20 pounds every day guaranteed guaranteed minimum um but now those fish have pushed shallower and they're not as grouped up um and some of them have started started moving up to see the heron will kind of start going out deeper and then also some of it moves up lake and quite honestly i start chasing stripers this time of year nowadays so the stripers start moving up the river and that's where i go
0: kyle he gave you like 900 baits and i know you like to normally narrow it down i don't know
2: how you'll have to phrase the question to get him to pick one or two or three but i'll I'll hand it off to you we can (laughs) we can we can revisit that and we'll we'll make brian narrow it down to like three baits but Brian, one thing I was going to ask, so you kind of mentioned November, obviously, for most of the country is such a transition time. You know, the fish are not all the way up to their winter patterns. They might not all be in the very far backs of the creeks. Let's say you get a day where you're you're going out and you haven't been recently. What's your your kind of strategy? Do you start in the back and work your way out? Do you start on the main lake and work your way in? How do you go about trying to find the the bigger groups or the bigger numbers of fish?
1: So I think, um, you know, according to where you're at in the country, it kind of depends on that. But let's just, what I'm more familiar with, Carolinas, Georgia, you know, this section of the country, you know, I'm probably going to start going pretty far back in the creeks or coves at chasing to see where the bait is. And, and you know, I run it through, you know. We pretty much all do, but not everybody utilizes it. Is your your through hole sonar, you know, on your graph at the back of the boat, you can see bait and bottom and grass and all of that while you're running on plane. So if I'm running back in a creek, uh, to go to where I feel like the bait's going to be, well, I'm also going to be looking at my 2D, you know, periodically, uh, while I'm heading that back, back that way, and if I'm you know, uh, a quarter of the way back and I'm starting to see bait while I'm running. Uh, and a lot of times you can visually see it on the surface as well. Um, or seagulls, you know, those are the, really the three things that you look for to see where the bait is. Once I start seeing the bait, then I'm going to try to narrow it down down, uh, go from there. But the the bait is a number one thing for that. But the burn in the bank deal and I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but that's what I do. So uh, you'll we saw
0: you, there. we saw you day one at Lake Murray on camera. We know you, we know you run uh, around and bounce around. Yeah,
1: yeah. we we'll, we should never speak of that day again. <laughs> um, it, ain't that right? Yes, Ryder said no. But now you threw me completely off. Oh yeah, the burn in the bank deal <laughs> is completely different. That to me, that's not bait related at all. Those fish are up there. A lot of times, chasing bluegill, brim, um, and they're wolf packs. You know, sometimes it's a it's a, it's a one man wolf pack. You know, <laughs> like uh, it'll just be one cruiser. But a lot of times, it's just, you know four five, 20 fish cruising in a pack going down the bank. And I, I feel like those fish are are focusing more on bluegill than they are shad or herring. Um, and that's when they they just get up there on the bank and cruise and. I honestly don't, you know, we all come up with these theories. Oh, this is what they're doing or that's what they're doing. Honestly, I don't really know what they're doing, but I know that they're up there and that's, they're cruising. And I know how to make those fish, bite. I know how to try to make those fish bite because those can be really hard for fish to catch. And kind of um, where I went to with the live scope stuff is, You know, you see a lot of people see a fish, and they'll just keep throwing and keep throwing, and and they never catch it. Well, I relate it to what I have done for years on the wolf pack thing, is if if I see a fish before that fish knows I'm there, and I make a good cast to it before he knows I'm there, and he doesn't react to my bait at all. I know he's seen my bait. If he doesn't react and keeps swimming or whatever, I forget about it. I mean, it could be a five six pounder but i know that i'm not going to catch that fish kind of hard especially you got a co-angler in the boats you're not going to keep trying to catch him it. like no you're not going to catch it. and i mean i've done it for 20 i don't know about 20 years but 15 years and you just you're not going to catch those
0: fish it's not so a bad fish on it's, not, it's not one when you keep messing with it you're going to annoy it it's just going to swim well, off, fade away and you won't see it anymore and you don't know where it went then at that point but yeah yeah uh one thing, you know, we could talk bait rotation, we could talk area of the lake that you could fish, all those different things, and it and it's variable. You can do whatever whatever you choose. This is another kind of variable question, but from February through the summer, we always see bite windows. And when I look at Bass Track and Kyle's watching Bass Track during the lead event, there's always the that first thing in the morning, you know, the 8 to 9 o'clock window or the 7.30 to 9 o'clock window that's always a good time to get a good bite then it seems like there's that mid-morning lull from 10 o'clock to maybe 11 30 just an hour and a half two hours of just eh you could be in the best area and it's just not a good time and then we see the late afternoon that 1 p.m to 2 30 really rise up do you see that correlation in the fall as well we want to think that hey we need that surface water to to warm up some but these fish these fish just went through a long night of cold weather they know that it's going to be cold the rest of the summer or the rest of the winter. Yeah. Are they looking for that sun in the middle of that morning? As it, as it gets above the trees as much, does that make that lull period shift to, to a different time?
1: So, you know, when you're, it's, when you're a single man or whatever, a, a team out on the water, and you're not watching what everybody that's on the water is doing. This whole I mean, live is the, has brought a whole new deal that I really honestly need to pay more attention to. We don't, you don't see that bite window because maybe it's going on right now, but you're doing the wrong thing or you're doing the right thing in the wrong place. And it's just hard to see that. But to answer your question, without looking at live and that kind of deal or bass track, it's so hard to pin that down. That being said, yes, it's like, I know, like first thing in the morning is a lot of times really good because it's low light, Uh, especially on a clear day or if the water's really clean. And I mean, even if it's stained, you know, it's still low light and it's, it just, they feed really good first thing in the morning. A lot of times, most, most of the year, Um, but also up in the middle of the day, once that, kind of water temperature has peaked, uh, you know, as, as rose two or three or four degrees throughout the day, um, 100%. And now out in the middle of the lake, you're not going to see that as much because it's deeper water and it's just a surface temp that's, that's, you know, when the fish are 10, 15, 30 feet from the surface, they're not going to see a, a temperature rise um, up in the middle of the day. But, you know, you get in that shallower water hundred percent you're gonna see that yes and and then I think even again late at uh you know right an hour before dark you know I guess tournament wise that doesn't matter but you know it's the fall and not everybody fishes tournaments and we fish all day long um for fun and you do see that again very late in the afternoon.
2: Brian, a couple of things we've talked a lot about, and, you know, I think they kind of correlate with each other. You've talked a lot about topwater fishing, obviously November for a lot of the country of the Southeast kind of for most people is the last opportunity to catch them on a top water, whether it be burning the bank with the buzz bait or, you know, out off points with schooling fish. What is the, the magic water temperature or the magic kind of ingredient for you to know it's time to put the top water up, you know, like whenever that bite has just gone? Because I'm I'm like you I I I I want to make that last as long yeah. as it possibly yeah. can. But sometimes like the fish aren't just aren't doing that, and the water temperature gets too cold. Like, what are the magic ingredients for you to know? You know what? It's probably time for the top water to be back in the rod locker.
1: You know, I don't think there's um a a set number. You know, I can't say mm-hmm. oh at 59 and a half degrees you got to quit throwing top water. Um, I do think like certain situations a wake bait will work in colder water than any other top water so yeah. maybe that lasts a little bit longer i think also the speed of your top water um can depend on on water temperature as well like a walking bait may last later into the fall than a, say a, a buzz bait that you're just or a horny toad um so i think it kind of is bait dependent actual specific bait dependent um but I'm going to say you get, you know, that low 60s, it's starting to go away. It's, I'm, it's not gone, but it's pretty close to being, being there. Um, of course, there's exceptions for everything. But once I get in that low 60s, it's not going to be the first thing that I'm going to pick up.
0: One thing that when we talk about the fall to winter transition, if we want to consider November that period of time, like we talked about with the external uh, weather affecting the water temperature and the migration patterns of these fish, when we think about the types of fisheries, I always feel like spotted bass places get a bad rap for having 12, 13 pounds a day or win you a tournament, like it's a poor fishery. But when we think about a Lake Hartwell, when we think about a Smith Lake, when we think about um you know anything on the savannah river when you think about a lanier i feel like spotted bass lakes or lakes that fish like that often are some of the best places to be this time of the year number of bites you can get and also the diversity and where you can catch fish murray isn't a spotted bass lake but but you can do the same things at hartwell that you can do at murray so how have you seen the correlation there on a largemouth dominant place like murray or a wiley and the crossover that you can find pattern-wise at Hartwell, they're all down the road from each other. Are Is it all going on the same way, or is it going to be totally different from a largemouth herring lake to a spotted bass herring lake?
1: So, I think, I mean, we, there's only one largemouth herring lake in the country that I know of, and that's Lake yeah. Murray, and
0: it's yeah. <laughs> a
1: half a mile that way. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, it's you got Murray, and, That's all you've got to compare it to, but you definitely spotted bass lakes. Uh, you typically get a lot more bites. Uh, the weights are typically down, but kind of probably not answering your question here by saying this, but people talk about, you know, 12, 13 pounds and saying that's, dude, that's not a bad bag. You know, Mm -hmm. you're 12 and a half pounds a day, uh, uh, you know, to do that. And, or that's a, that's a two-and-a-half-pound average. Two-and-a-half-pounder is not a bad fish. Um, but you look at Hartwell, and it'll take 13 this week, 13 next week, 15 that week, 12 this week, 23 this week, back to 12. And And, four. and so these lakes have the potential. Or I say these lakes. I mean, not Murray. It's going to take a pretty good back on Murray regardless. Yeah. Now the weights are lower right now than they are all year just because it's the time of the year it is period um the fish are more spread out and they've been beat to death for uh you know nine months um and i mean beat to death because like i said it's the best lake in the southeast hands down i know that's my opinion but it's the truth and uh it's a phenomenal lake and it gets a lot of pressure
2: um, I could have sworn you said Lake Fork was the best lake you would ever been
1: on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's um, not in
2: the southeast, Kyle. That's, a, about
1: lake- that's, that's
0: in the South. It's not I Southeast. Said
1: some yeah. things about Lake Fork. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. And I may get kicked off the show for saying it, but Lake <laughs> Fork probably is the best lake in the country. But it's not a tournament lake. A tournament lake doesn't have slot limits. I know we're fishing there next year, and we're fishing a tournament on it. It's not a tournament lake.
0: I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where to I can't – hey, Lee Livesey. I'm going to – let's get Lee Livesey in here real quick. No, but – um, but, yeah, okay. So, no, and which I think you were going there with the Hartwell talk about weights of, like, you were jumping around from the low teens to twenties and how it varies, yeah. but how it seems like there is like a good floor, like the floor for those lakes is higher than most other lakes where it's, you got a funk and it takes three fish to win. You almost have to always catch 13 pounds there. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it, it is interesting to me to see how, a Hartwell and a Murray can be so similar at times, but also so different. And Murray's just on that uptrend. It's hard to compare size-wise to other lakes because it's having its it, its 15 minutes of fame for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I hope it's more like 30 or 45 minutes. But, <laughs> um, I mean, who knows, you know, everything goes through its cycle. And, and once a lake gets blown up and gets, everybody knows how good it is. Not only do you have the local pressure, but you've got all the travel pressure as well. And, I mean, you can't ask for a better place to go to for to fun fish. I mean, whatever you like to do. I mean, I know the crappie fishing's phenomenal. Uh, the bass fishing's we already know what it is, and but the striper fishing's phenomenal as well. And and man, these cooler nights has really got me wanting to go chase some stripes around.
2: Brian, we we talked about it earlier on. Obviously, uh, you went through a plethora of baits. Uh, Every pattern of the month episode of the podcast, we make the angler choose their top three baits for this month. So for November, if you had to narrow it down to three baits, which I know based on your entire career on the Elite Series, you've never had three baits on your deck at one time, and that's it. (laughs) But if you had to narrow it down to three, what would you pick and why for each one? So If
1: I had to narrow it down to five baits, (laughs) <laughs> it would be. <laughs>
2: wait, 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 wait.
0: <laughs> if I could pick twelve lure, <laughs> you can right, pick five. So we'll let you, you do five. We'll let you
1: do five. All right, you you've got to have a jig of some sort. Um, I want to have two or three jigs, but I'm going to go with one. So it's going to be a half ounce Greenfish Tackle Brandon Cobb All Purpose Jig. Um, with you know. Honestly, I don't think the trailer matters a ton. Honestly, because I went from a Z crawl and smashed them, but I'm a I'm a chunk guy. I like a zoom big salty chunk. I always have it. Still works. Not as many people throw it. I like a chunk. So half ounce, uh, you know any kind of brim. If it looks good with a green pumpkin chunk, it's a good color jig. <laughs> so there's number one. I'm not a spinnerbait guy, but I'm going to have a spinnerbait. And actually the spinnerbait of choice is gonna be this one right here, not even on the market yet. I mean, I, I think it's kind of is the packaging come in this week, but it's a I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. It's a green fish tackle, bad little blade. It's a small compact spinnerbait. Um, you know, here, here's a full-size spinnerbait. What he don't like spinnerbait. It's just a smaller, compact size. What, boy, boy? So, um, yeah, spinnerbait and jig. Man, I really want to throw a chatterbait in there. I don't think you go fishing without a chatterbait ever, but don't know that I can put that in there for the top five. A walking bait, some sort of walking bait. Yeah. Yep, some sort of walking bait. You know, whether it's a uh a a, a a super spook or, you know, more of the fast style walking bait it was what I like on herring stuff. So like the the walking hank from Spro. Um, how many is that? Three? So if, three. If you're not
0: counting chatter bait, then
2: that's three.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to count the chatter bait, but you know, if maybe that's a little bonus, if <laughs> you want to throw it in there.
2: We'll, like, we'll uh, act like that's just a built-in, like that's just a given. You're going to have a chatterbait, so that doesn't go against your five. <laughs> yeah, We're
0: working with you. We started with um, three, and now we're, now we're up to six total possibilities, <laughs> so we're giving you some slack.
1: <laughs> you got to have a square bill, you know, something that's, you know, three, two to six-foot square bill. Um, You know, there's a lot of great ones out there, a lot of good – Pro makes several different ones, and, you know – There, like I said, there's a lot of great companies and I use a lot of, a lot of different companies, but the Spro fat John of little uh, John Cruz square bill. I really like it. It's, it's kind of a, it's got a lot of good things about it. It's got the circuit board. I like the, the action that circuit board gives it, but it's fat. So it has a lot of buoyancy. So when I'm cranking wood, bless you buddy. When I'm cranking lay downs or, or whatever it may be it'll float up pretty high and uh you don't get hung up as much but even though it's a fatter profile it still has flat sides. so it's kind of like a it's a unique bait in itself so uh fat john's Pro fat john gotta have that's,
0: it that's four four all
1: right
0: i think your buddy wants you to put a like a some kind of jig head minnow on there he's a big live scope fans and you haven't mentioned any of that so he's he's getting mad
1: oh <laughs> uh, he's looking at like several of them sitting right like uh uh <laughs> uh we can't show this one but uh so man like when the bite is tough especially in the fall an eighth ounce pulse jig yeah like it is the bike getting this thing that's in this shop, and um, there's a lot of stuff in this shop. But seriously, a, a eighth ounce pulse jig, it's got a smaller blade, a smaller hook, made for a smaller bait. And there's a lot of you know a lot of different trailers that you can put on it. Two, the two that I like the best is a a little. I think it's a three inch Dominique Armor Shad um, is a great trailer on it. But the Zoom Tiny Fluke is my number one trailer for the 8-ounce pulse jig. And that's, you know, good from going down the bank, the backs of the creeks, the fish get on the flats and the very backs of creek on bait um, in a foot of water. You can fish it that shallow. You can fish it out to, you know, it's once you get over 20, it starts to, it can be done, but it's kind of hard to fish it out that much deeper than that. That's a bite getter and i mean it'll catch you some good ones as well
0: and the pulse jig is a underspin correct
1: no it no is. it's the scrounger yep
0: the scr- style yes. thing. yep um,
1: i don't see an eight ounce like easy accessible i know where they're at but you know that that's okay, the, that's a three eight ounce model and it's just scaled down from that
0: and you throw so, that on a uh, on a before. baitcaster, or do you throw it on a spinning
1: the, rod? The eighth ounce, I'm throwing on a spinning rod. Yeah. Perfect. So, but you know, I say that. So there's, I know ARC just came out with some BFS reels, and I personally have not used them yet. I know BFS, bait finesse system, is a big deal. Like it's taken off. It's just you know, I think it's been around for years in Japan, but it's it's starting to take off over here, and, and it's basically casting bait casting rods and reels that are designed to throw this super light stuff so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to getting some of those uh those reels in to try that but as of right now yes spinning rod um application for sure perfect and man
0: nope you hit your quota
1: uh that's only four right
0: no that's five plus the chatter (laughs) makes six all
1: right wait
0: what goods what goods were you about to show us
1: I mean, I really want to say a trap-style bait, you know, in the fall. I mean, gosh, I love a trap in the fall.
0: Look at that, Kyle. We gave Brian New three baits, and we got seven. Normally, we ask anglers to give three, and they don't even – they they're like, ah, I got to make up something for number three. <laughs> yeah, and Brian's exactly. like, I just narrowed it way down. We did – before the before the podcast started, Kyle and I were talking – and and i was doing a brian new Im- imitation on well i've got my 35 rods laid out perfectly they're all three inches apart so they don't get twisted and tang and i was like you you have 30 rods on the deck at all times um exactly in chaos 2.8
1: inches
0: 2.8 okay <laughs> perfect you just put a small <laughs> swim bay right in between yep. them and it's perfect Yep.
1: yep. well brian
0: i appreciate you joining us for the pattern of the month for november i know that At times you wake up and it's a little too cold to want to go fishing, but I do know magic can happen in the mornings. Um, And hopefully some of those baits, some of those different conversations, help these guys who are listening to the podcast, maybe get out there and try it, whether they start off on a point or they go all the way to the back of a creek and work their way out. Um, I know that these ganglers will, you know, fans alike will take some of those notes. But uh, one last thing, I'll say you mentioned it in your baits, your original five baits. That all-terrain jig you mentioned from Greenfish, it will be all purpose. Feature- or the all-purpose all-purpose yeah. that will be featured in a Bassmaster TV show. One of the old-school TV shows. We're bringing them back right around Christmas time through the month of January, and that five uh, ten you caught at Lay Lake on day two, uh, where you kind of uh, lost your mind there for a minute. But we all did uh-huh. on Bass Live. It is, uh, yeah. it's going to be in the show. So we look forward to that and we'll, uh, we'll have to tell you when that programming is, but Brian, appreciate you joining us. Despite the circumstances, you got a lot of things you're juggling at home currently. Appreciate you taking the time.
1: Uh, yeah. So Brittany's at work, you know, she's a nurse. <laughs> she works an hour away in Greenwood down that, uh, sometimes I wonder, she might be going to see Brandon Cobb or something. She gets home so late, but <laughs> <laughs> no, um.
0: Yeah, just bring some also, jigs back. Just bring some jigs back. <laughs>
1: yeah, bring me some more jigs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, this is a lot of new stuffs going on in my life that I've tried to get used to. <laughs> I just had Ryder for like, the first time by myself all day long uh, a couple days ago. So, yeah, Brittany just went back to work last week. And um, it's a lot of new stuff, but we're making it work.
0: Hey, Ryder looks happy and healthy and was a perfect co-host to your portion of the podcast (laughs) so brian appreciate you joining us and we will see you hopefully sooner than this but at minimum we'll see you at toledo bend to start the elite season
1: sounds good boys enjoyed it
0: for episode 153 of the inside bassmaster podcast presented by black rifle coffee company that was our guest brian new